Hi, you're listening to Kate and Catherine. And we're going to show you how to find your Prince Charming so that you can finally live happily ever after <laughs> forever and ever. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. We are definitely not going to do that. We are sick of that story and it's a lie. It is a lie. You're listening to The New Truth, a modern woman's guide to extraordinary love. We are going to show you how the fairy tale love story stops you from experiencing the love you truly desire. Listen to hear how to break free from sacrifice and struggle in relationship. And learn the new truth about love in a way that you've never heard it before. We're so happy you're here. Keep listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome back for episode 10 of The New Truth. We are so happy you've been following along with us. And this particular episode is super, super special to me because we're bringing on Amanda Renee, my coach that I've worked with for two years, which I still can't believe you are officially the, <laughs> the person I've worked with the longest in my personal growth journey. Aww. And you are not only an unbelievable healer and coach and leader, which is why I want as many people in the world to know about you, but you also have the most extraordinary story of following your truth right? And taking the risk to follow your truth and breaking the old paradigm. So when Kate, when I shared you with Kate, we were like, we have to have her on. <laughs> um, because you, you represent everything the new truth stands for, mm. right? Of breaking the fear mindset, breaking away from something that does not feel good, even mm -hmm. though it actually looked really good. <laughs> Amanda, your life you. and your relationship <laughs> looked really freaking good. And so we are so excited to chat today and thank you so much for being here. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to be here. I'm excited. So also, um, I just wanna say episode 10, that's a big deal. It's double digits. Double digits. Double digits. <laughs> I still remember my 10th birthday because it was like such a big deal. Oh yeah. There you go. And my, and my number in soccer was 10. This is a significant number. What Whoa. about you? Do you have a significance with 10, Catherine? Uh, no. But I think, I think of how 10 is also right in numerology would be one mm -hmm. and one yeah. is for new beginnings. And, and the, I'm so Perfect. excited. It is amazing. 10 episodes of a podcast. I mean, there's some podcasts I'm listening to when the people are like episode 325 and I'm like, whoa, but one day that's going to be us. Yeah. One day that's going to be <laughs> so us. We're gonna keep going here. So Amanda Renee is a soul coach, teacher, poet, and author of the book, Uncover Yourself. And she's more playfully referred to as a miracle maker and angel of acceleration by her clients. Mm. So that is for freaking sure. She <laughs> helps women uncover the original blueprint of their soul and create a life that matches that in every area. She currently teaches an energy training in Austin, Texas, leads retreats in Italy, and resides with her puppy and two best friends in San Diego. Amanda Renee, welcome to the New Truth Podcast. Wee, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So I feel like we have to actually start first with Soul Coach, right? And even, <laughs> and even the journey of you coming into your own and your business because your business is super powerful and I've been so grateful to experience that on the receiving end of your magic and angel of acceleration. So <laughs> let's you. start, you know, the journey, cause there may be women listening who 
feel a call from their soul to actually start a business, right? Or follow a certain path. And you've got, I mean, I feel like we could talk to you for like three hours, but um, we can interview her multiple times. I'm going to let you begin and just like maybe start let's talk, hearing about your work. Sure. Um, I got started a little, gosh, almost a decade ago now. I lived in, I'm from Texas originally, the South. Woo. Uh, but I've been saying that I wanted to live in California since I was two years old. So I always said I would made a very bad Texan for <laughs> reasons like I don't like sweet iced tea and I didn't own a pair of cowgirl boots until I was 24 and I moved. Um, or guns. Or def- yeah. Never <laughs> guns don't have any guns. <laughs> um, my, my girlfriend the other day was like, I just need to make sure that like, it's going to be chill with you that I want to own guns in her. And I was like, what? What? <laughs> She's like, just kidding. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, hmm, that was a shock. Okay. So, um, I grew up in Texas and I've always, I've always felt more comfortable, um, in like the spiritual world. Like that kind of felt like my conversations with God felt like my first language and then humaning felt like a very second language, which obviously is true for all of us. But I, um, yeah, I was just always connected from like a really young age, kind of like leading little revolutions in my private Christian high school. And Mm. um, when I got to college, I kind of got like this beautiful opportunity where life kind of like slammed the I chose to slam the brakes because um, I was kind of like on this trajectory of like all this leadership. People have, people just always interacted with me as a leader since I was like, I don't know, eight. Strangers would come up and be like, you're here for great things, la da da. So um, in college, the church that I became a part of at the time started talking about how to actually live out the kind of love that Jesus talked about. And mm-hmm. that if you want to love if you want to live out enemy love, love your enemies as you love yourself, then you have to be able to like turn inward and love the enemies inside of yourself, which this was obviously like, especially now living in San Diego, not revolutionary, but at the time living in Texas, it was like, what? (laughs) Yes. And then we talked a lot about finding our value from our performance and what we're able to produce. And I was like, holy shit, I have no idea who I am outside of my identity as a leader. And, and they, I remember the preacher at the time saying something like, if all you did was sit in a chair in the middle of an empty room for the rest of your life, God would still love you the same. And can you feel that way about yourself? And I was like, no, I can't. Wait, say that again, because I feel like that is so massive. I mean, there's so many just things that just in this moment of the way human beings place their value right? Yeah. The, the old paradigm is my values based on whether or not I have a heterosexual partner with a big fat engagement ring on my finger and Check beautiful, that. perfect wedding pictures. Mm-hmm. But say, say that again, if you, you have to believe that you can sit in a... If all you did for the rest of your life was sit in a chair in the middle of an empty room, God would still love you the same. And can you feel that way about yourself? Self. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my answer for that was no. So I quit everything. Mm. <laughs> in good which Amanda is, Renee fashion. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do, do it big. <laughs> so, which was really uncomfortable. Um, but I just started this, I was 19 and I, that's when I first started this journey into mm. my heart and soul. But I essentially like, I put aside a lot of my spirituality and I put aside a lot of all of my leadership. My parents were extremely worried about me. 
um, people, it was, it was hard to answer the question, like, what are you doing? And be like, I'm just getting to know myself and like healing my heart and seeing what's really there underneath the surface because I was this confident leader and on the inside, I was so insecure and I was so alone mm-hmm. because people admired me, but there was no, there was no way to connect because I didn't have that connection with myself. So fast forward, I spent my entire college that way. Um, I didn't party and it wasn't cause I, I just didn't like my friends and I just sat around learning how to be vulnerable and like connecting with our hearts and saying hard things to each other. So at the end of that, one of my professors asked me what I wanted to do. And at such a young age, already having had so much leadership and then stepping away from it and seeing how much was in there and how much no one ever engaged me like that. I was like, I want to be a heart consultant. And my professor was like, what the, a heart consultant? I was like, (laughs) well, I said, I want to be a heart consultant to high level executives and CEOs. And he's like, what the hell is a heart consultant? Because I didn't know about life coaching because that's Texas. And uh, (laughs) I was like, well, I... I want to be the person that addresses Mm -hmm. people in power's hearts and what's really going on for them and what's actually going on underneath the surface, specifically all the things that they sacrifice to get that success and help them reclaim those pieces of themselves. Mm -hmm. I used to say this all the time. I just want to help people live fully alive Mm because so many of us walk around half dead and we have to go back and like feel all the things we shut off in order to have that full life. So that's kind of been my thing since I was 19 is I want to live fully alive. I'm have tenaciously pursued that for over a decade, which has led to a lot of interesting plot twists. Um, (laughs) But that is also how I started my business. So I ended up um, running a personal development company at age 23. By 24, I was the head coach for that company and coaching CEOs and business owners that were like in their 50s and 40s, and which I'm very grateful for. Really, it was an amazing experience. I still love it. All my like Southern men that I got to help open up their hearts. (laughs) And, um, and then I branched out on my own and kind of, uh, in a lot of ways, my business model is pretty, um, I don't know, nonconformist. Like I just didn't really take any of the normal things you're supposed to do. I didn't have an email, like my first three, six figure years, I had no email list. I had no website. I had no nothing, just kind of, um, continuing to put things out there. Um, so yeah, there's more details in the middle because now uh, my work has changed, not in theme, but in the tools that I use are much more efficient. I call like, there was a lot of unnecessary bloodshed a decade ago when I was first learning how to do healing and like emotional rewiring that has since gotten a lot more graceful, but I love it. I like, I get to poke around in people's like most tender spots and they let me and they welcome me in and like help them create lives and businesses and get rid of sicknesses and yeah. Most people, when they try to describe what they do, they're like, I mean, it's kind of a mystery, but if you know you need her, you know you need her, which sounds kind of like bad business advice, but it's worked for me so far. So <laughs> it works for me. <laughs> I, I imagine there's me. a lot of women listening right now that are like, oh, I want that. Whatever that <laughs> is. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of how yeah. it goes. I'm like, yeah. I don't even know why I'm talking to you, but I think, I think I'm supposed to, which mm-hmm. is a constant adventure. And that's the magic of following the new truth. Life is magical. And yeah, we yes. don't have to try so hard. Yes, life is magical. I always tell people, even when they say like, oh, it's a miracle. I'm like, it feels like a miracle, but really it's how life is designed to work when we're not in resistance to it. And when we've cleaned up the things that we, that we create, that get in the way. Like miracles totally. are supposed to be normal, but we freak yes. out about them. because I know the word miracle sounds like it's this like 
unknown thing. Oh, it's a miracle. Like it could, it's, it's, there's no odds that this is possible, but it happened. Like it's Mm -hmm. rather than it just being normal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Love that. Or miracles only walk on water rather than the miracle of opening my heart in a moment after years of it being closed. Totally. And the the new truth of following my truth. I mean, it's pretty remarkable. I did not, I was not connected to my soul at 23 years old or 19. Or like you, you know, it's pretty, pretty amazing to hear that story in any age. Like the gift that if, if any, for anyone listening is like, you can come home to your soul at any time in your life. Like it is never too late. It's never too early. And what was the most magnetic thing about you was it was clear that that's from where you, from the place you lived, Mm. right? And I didn't feel like I was being sold some gimmick. I mean, Kate and I down the line are going to have a whole episode on like the gimmicks of the relationship coaching world, like the manipulative, you know, Mm -hmm. make you want to vomit marketing, (laughs) um, you know, around the relationship coaching world. And that exists around business too. And it was like, no, you don't need to be manipulated into your greatness. Mm -hmm. Like, how about that? (laughs) You know, what an amazing concept. And you can, you know, listen to the truth of your soul. And so your soul brought you first to, well, probably not first, but brought you to Matthew. Shall we talk about falling in love with Matthew? Yeah. Um, So I was married up until last year and, um, Gosh, that's a that is a broad, <laughs> <laughs> broad question. <laughs> that's a broad start. Um, so, I mean, I guess not everybody knows, but there's like a large plot twist coming at the end of the story. But um, everyone has to keep listening. <laughs> no, but it's um, so yeah. I moved out to San Diego when I was 23 years old. I had been dating someone in Texas that I thought I was going to marry, and that person broke up with me. Uh, a week after my, my first week on the job of running that company was Mm. a trip to San Diego. Totally fell in love, like totally fell in love, felt this kind of, I I didn't know the word vibration or frequency at the time, but I drove through Carlsbad, California. And I just felt this like zing, like I match this place. (laughs) Um, But I didn't think I could move there because I thought I was going to get married and do that whole thing. Thank God that didn't happen. I will <laughs> be forever grateful to this person because um, I truly love them. And they let me go. They're like, I, you live life fully alive. They're exact words. And I'm just realized I'm half dead and I can't, wow. like, I can't do that anymore. So then three months later, I packed up my car, moved up to San Diego. Um, gosh, that whole story is like, there's so many ways that I could go with it, but I did uh, meet my then husband, Matthew. Um, we met on a beach, uh, at this workshop called recess 2.0, where we were playing like red Rover, red Rover. And like, like, (laughs) mm -hmm. um, and I told him I liked his glasses because if you're ever around me and I have a positive, I will tell you, like, you might get 80 compliments because I'll just like accidentally keep going, which makes strangers feel really weird. Like, oh my God, and I like your nose and your lips look so great. Um, I pick really good people to hang out with because that's who Kate is. Oh, also. Oh Kate, yeah, I do that Kate too. That. <laughs> I'm looking like, oh yeah, and these, these are the people I hang out with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, we met on that beach. I had actually just that day had this massive... Um, cracking open. I Snapchatted it because I was 23 and that's what you do. I like, took like this <laughs> selfie 
I just broke, but I did. I felt like I just broke because I realized how in how much I had felt like the only way for me to be a leader and to even exist and function in the world was to be in my masculine, the masculine aspects of me, which I have like a pretty bad, I know we all do, but like, I prefer to live in a balance. Like I'm pretty 50, 50 on feminine masculine energy. Um, but I realized how unsafe that it felt and that I never felt safe to like receive strength from any men around me or any masculine energy outside of me. Cause I felt like I had to be that. And I just like pff, lost it. Saw my whole life spin in front of my face, cried for three hours and then went to this event. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not think anything of it at the time when I met him. Um, he asked me on a date. We went on a date. It was like really comfortable, which this will come in later. It was really comfortable. Um, and I was at the point in my life where I was like, it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. And it just wasn't a hell yes for me. And I had decided I wanted partnership. And so I let him know, I was like, this isn't going to work for me. Um, it's just not a hell yes. And I'm doing this thing right now, but thank you so much for the way you showed up. Um, I would like to be friends. <laughs> and he responded and was like, totally. It was almost like we were brother and sister. We were so comfortable. Um, I totally respect that, blah, blah, blah. And then he proceeded to ignore me for the next six months. Anytime I wanted to be like friend hangout. Um, and then I decided I was going to travel in my car for six months because I got burnt out, really burnt out in my job. And I was like, screw it. I'm going to travel in my car. Like all these other entrepreneurs do who live in San Diego real thing six years ago so I'm like I'm traveling my car and I'm going to move to Italy in March this is like August um, and I happened to run into Matthew at a party and I just felt like this strong pull um like really strong pull and we went on a date and I think said I love you within like four days um and then I was supposed to move. I had already given my lead. I had like sold furniture, like the whole deal. Um, and so about three weeks into our relationship, we were like, well, let's just move in together. And if it sucks after a month, I'll move out and we'll go somewhere else. Um, and it didn't suck. It was really easy. It was a beautiful transition. So like the best thing, the biggest thing I can say about that whole relationship is like, we had such a soul contract for healing for each mm-hmm. other. Like, so much healing um, and really in a lot of ways giving each other what we didn't get in childhood. Also, you know, like triggering some of the things that we got in childhood, but. Uh, Welcome to relationship, yeah. everyone who's listening. Yeah. That's going to happen with yeah. every single partner you have. Yeah. <laughs> and Such they either will, right? The gift of it will either be, I will be a catalyst for your healing by giving you the love right? That you didn't receive and activating all the places where you're still wounded, mm-hmm. or we end up choosing the person who actually just keeps re-traumatizing us. Exactly. So ladies, that's not what Amanda just said. <laughs> she said catalyst for healing, yeah. but I want to like normalize that, you know, like that, cause that's the new truth too. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And it, that was the first time I really was with someone who was as hell-bent on healing as I was, which Mm. at times looked a little bit neurotic, but um, yeah, so we moved in together after three weeks, kind of just never looked back after that, and then eventually created a company together, Relational Intelligence, which Esther Perel is now talking about, and I was like, I freaking knew that would be a thing, and I should have trademarked it five years ago. Mm. Um, Yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, so I was like, yeah, why aren't we taught like relational 
intelligence is just as important as emotional intelligence. Like it's not the same thing. Um, but we would just kind of dissect everything. Like we were always processing what was going on, which at the time for me, I had felt really like my tenacity towards healing had always been a burden for people. And mm -hmm. so to meet someone who wanted to be partners in healing was like, what? Um, and so that's really what our relationship centered around was healing, awareness, um, processing, like really getting through conflict, not, not letting any conflict um, unfold. And I would say that was probably like our, our biggest strength was just communication. That would, was the thing that people saw around us. Yes. And, and like you said, like I did have in a lot of ways, it was a great relationship for healing, for like building, we helped each other build our businesses. Like there was so much that was created in that, in that um, grounds together that really did feel like when it was time, the soul contract was there. And then, mm. well, the plot, we haven't gotten to the plot twist yet, but so was, so very, was it, was it a hell? What, yes. So like you yes. went from a hell no to a hell yes. Yes. And I think yeah. had I not honored that hell no, the hell yes wouldn't have been there, but for sure, like, and people ask, knowing what's happened in my life at this point, they're like, did you feel out of alignment or out of integrity? And the answer at that time is no, no, I didn't. I still think it was the right choice. I still think it was like, you know, would I change things knowing what I know now? I think it's stupid when people are like, I would do the same thing. I'm like, that's so ignorant. What? <laughs> I, th I think that, 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 that stems from the old paradigm because in the old paradigm, a relationship ending, like the, there's only one purpose for a relationship. It's for it to last forever and ever. Right. Find that one person that you're always with. And mm -hmm. if it doesn't, then it's fa a failure as opposed mm -hmm. to being an experience and that you were meant to have that experience. And God knows how many more experiences you're going to have, I'm going to have, she's going to have, but we think mm -hmm. we know what's coming, but we mm -hmm. don't. Mm -hmm. uh, or totally. that we're, we're only supposed to have it one way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that I'm only supposed to be, or I'm supposed to be who I am on my wedding day for the rest of my life, mm -hmm. right? Because I think, Amanda, as we get to the juice of your truth <laughs> in a few minutes, I am most curious about, because what I think, and, and Kate, this is what I respect so much about you too, this consistent checking in. Right. Like it isn't just, oh, this is who I am. I mean, once you're on a, a personal growth path, you, ha you are actually exponentially changing mm -hmm. all the time. Right. I just posted about this a couple of weeks ago. I talk about this about Andrew all the time. And so I'm curious as we move into, because I imagine this is actually part of the revelation, part of your, of your story, is what was it like to be checking in with your soul throughout your relationship with Matthew? And when did you start getting stirrings of anything that was out of alignment and, and not feeling right? Or is that even what you would call it? No, it's you not. Know? It's not. And that's, that's, um, I feel like there's like two ways to tell that part of the story. There's like getting to the punchline or I can like start from the beginning because the other piece about when he and I met, well, we'll just start this way. So the other thing that happened right around the time that he and I met is I had just realized that I had any level of sexual attraction to women, like just realized it, not really explored it that much at all. Mm -hmm. I think I had like made out with a woman once and I, so, but I shared that with him at the beginning. I was like, listen, I feel like you're my person. Um, I don't want to not be with you. And I also just recently discovered this about myself and I'm not willing to go my whole life not knowing this part of myself. So like, that's mm -hmm. the gig. If, if you want to be with me is I will want to explore this at some point. I don't know when that is, but like, 
yeah, it was just that I'm unwilling to go my whole life without knowing right. this part of myself. And for can I pause reason, you for a sec? I just want yeah. to highlight that not knowing this part of myself. This is what we talk about over and over again as women think it's the other person, like they have feelings and you're activated and they think it's the other person versus I love how you're phrasing, not knowing this part. I need to know this part of myself. That's yeah. what love is. Sorry for interrupting. Carry no, on. <laughs> no, no, it is. It, it is yeah. magical, especially because the old paradigm relationship says I'm going to have to cut off off like 50% of me right. to fit the role of wife or role of whoever right. you want me to be. Mm-hmm. And that, and that's bigger than relationship. I mean, that's what life does to women, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like this is who you're allowed to be, but it, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that we're, we're, we're highlighting all of these magical uh, miracle statements that are coming out of your mouth, Amanda. So forgive us. We have to, we <laughs> have so to. Enlightened. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm unwilling. Imagine if there are women. I mean, I, I my truth was, and Andrew was actually quite conventional. But I, but meeting him, it was like, guess I'm a 27 year old entrepreneur. Guess what? I'm unwilling to be a stay at. I'm never gonna be stay at home wife. <laughs> I travel all the time. Like this, mm-hmm. these are the things that are important to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, having those conversations right at the get go. For sure. Yeah. So. So that was the conversation at the beginning. And that's really the piece of, cause our relationship was very public. Yeah. Um, and this was the one piece and my life has always been very public. I've always shared my experiences and, and my journey and kind of like been this path paver. And this was this attraction and having an open relationship was the one, really the one thing that I've ever kept private. And it mm-hmm. never even felt like hiding up until the very, when I was ready to not have it private anymore. And then it started to feel a little bit like hiding at the very end. Um, but that was a dynamic in our relationship that our close friends knew about, but that really everyone else was unaware. So on the outside, we had this like very, maybe not traditional relationship because our gender roles were like not traditional, but, um, you know, kind of quintessential fairy tale. You looked, you absolutely were the idealized relationship too powerful people to people who clearly loved each other. Matthew Mm -hmm. sang to you all of your videos with him singing to Mm -hmm. people with, uh, on a personal growth journey. Like I would say on the receiving end of you two, it was the idealized relationship. I didn't necessarily project fairy tale, but it was, you guys were inspirational of what was possible Mm -hmm. for people. Mm-hmm, for sure. And I think, you know, and that's the other thing that he and I both came into the relationship with it is a strong need to have the ideal relationship, Yeah, which I, it is also how like we got to the punchline at the end. Um, <laughs> but so you had asked like, did it ever feel like, when did I know I was out of alignment? And it didn't ever feel like I was out of alignment. Um, and this is one of the biggest things that having had such a large revelation about myself that I see and that I see, um, I don't know if it leads people off track, but I just see it being a detriment is this belief that like it happens in a second and you just know, and maybe for some people that's true, but like the uncovering and even why I have a book called uncover yourself is because it was an uncovering. Like there was so much, um, I could talk for hours, but there's so much conditioning on top of my sexuality specifically, I mean, all of us, and yes, as women and as men, but there's just so much conditioning on my sexuality that I really only knew what I knew, which was like one nugget at a time. And I think where courage comes in, if we're going to talk about like the courage to follow your truth is it's the courage 
to follow the little bits of your truth and like uncover it a bit at a time until you see the full picture because that that is scarier to me is like if I have the whole truth and like I've just always kind of been like that that like if I know the truth I'll follow it but to not know the full truth and to be breaking so many rules at the same time I was telling someone the other day um and actually when uh, Matthew and I split one of the things he'd said is uh thank you so much for your honesty because you could have just like you could have cheated you could have there could have been so many ways that this played out mm. that it didn't and I still that's one of the things I'm most proud of is there were so many just horrifying conversations that I had to have along the way to acknowledge what my truth was in that moment and to make space for what I wanted which was a, a growing attraction to women. What started out as like, oh, I think I'm bi-curious when I was way back six years ago. And I remember one of my friends that was identified as bisexual saying it took her two years to even accept that she was bisexual. And I was like, damn, that is a long time. Like, yeah. that feels like a long time to come, be able to come to terms with something. And now I look back and like, that was six years ago. This has been a six year journey for me of really just getting one layer at a time. Mm -hmm. um, I think the difficult thing is I thought that I knew the truth. And so I would like, there were lots of times that Matthew would ask me questions and I would be like, all I had was my current understanding. And so I created so many contexts to help me make sense of what I knew and what I didn't know, which at this point just feels like, so the crescendo of all of this is I, we had an open relationship, but I had never really had any like full sexual experiences with women I think for a lot of reasons because I was terrified and I started leading a retreat last year called sex soul and sovereignty with my friend Maria Palumbo it's the retreat we lead in Italy and best name I know, I know. Yeah, told me that name and I was yeah. like that is the best name <laughs> I really agree with you thank you <laughs> um so we were leaving this retreat and it radically transformed my life mm -hmm. like as the leader. But I feel like I went through this whole thing as well of like, oh, mm -hmm. I am no longer willing to continue to put off something that I know that I have wanted for so long. Um, and so I came, I had met a woman like right before that, like all the circumstances just lined up, which really were just, I think I was ready. Like I was ready to acknowledge the truth. I was ready to let things crumble that were going to need to crumble because of that truth. And so yeah, I had that I, immediately after having my first like actual full sexual experience with a woman, I was like, holy shit. Um, a couple of things happened. I realized I didn't know that I was disassociating in sex before when I would have sex with men, but I was, I had been disassociating significantly. I didn't realize how much I was performing until I wasn't performing. Like I just had no concept because I had no other contrast to compare something. I also didn't. It didn't know what it was like to be turned on for the duration of a sexual experience by the sexual experience that I was having. Like, wow, I did not know that that was a thing. I had never had that experience. And <clears throat> the best way I know how to describe it is in my sexual history with men, I had to do so many mental gymnastics. Like I was and it's fine, fantasy, whatever, explore your fantasies with your partner, have your fantasies. Right. I'm not saying like never fan, but like always had to be fantasized always. Yeah. in order to make it work. Um, mm. And I, so I didn't know that it was possible to be like sexually stimulated and turned on by the person I was sleeping with and wow. the sex we were having. I was like, 
mind blown. And then it just felt so natural. I was like, oh, this is my, like, I don't mean this tongue in cheek, but like, this is like my mother tongue. Like, this is still so natural to me. And I walked away from that experience going, it was a lot of experiences in a short amount of time. <laughs> um, like 30 years of not having the kind of sex that you want to have will lead to a lot of sex once you. <laughs> um, but I walked away from that going like, oh, this is why people like sex. This is why it's not mm. terrifying. So, cause the other piece of my story is I spent the past six years in like therapy and trainings and like so much money, time and energy books mm -hmm. read trying to figure out why sex didn't work for me very well and why I didn't feel the way I heard other people feeling. And I just thought it was because I had all this Southern suppression because mm. I knew I was a sexual person. And it wasn't until that weekend of those first experiences where I was like, wait a second, I'm not broken. Like I'm not broken. And I'm uh, not, it, I, I was suppressed, but just not in the way that I thought that I was. Yeah. And mm. I just wasn't having the kind of sex that my body wanted um, which was beautiful. And, you know, we were joking before we got on here about like the courage to fuck your life up or like the courage to blow it all up. And the truth is I didn't like nothing exploded, which to this day, I'm so grateful for, but I really think that the reason it didn't explode is because there were so many crumbs that had been followed up until that point. Yes. Like I didn't spend six years suppressing down the truth and trying to make it go away. Like there were definitely times that it felt so inconvenient. And I did wish that like, I wish I wasn't bisexual or I wish I, cause that's kind of how my journey went. Like I'm bi curious. And I was like, no, I'm not bi curious. I'm definitely, I'm not curious. I'm attracted. And then to, you know, I thought that I needed a man and a woman cause that was the context I created. Cause I was like, well, I have my husband over here whom I do love. I, like I have unconditional love for this person, but I'm not going to be happy unless I also have a woman. And so I thought I was like, oh, well, that's just me is I need a man and a woman in order to feel fully fulfilled. And then at this point when I had had like actually a full experience and a full weekend, I was like, no, I just, mm -hmm. I'm a lesbian that happened to fall in love with a man because I didn't know. And that was the other thing is like, I didn't know what sexual attraction felt like because that was so suppressed. Right. I didn't know that I could sit across the table from someone and want to have sex with them, just sitting with them. Like that was foreign to me. So people are like, well, did you, didn't you know something was missing? And like, how'd you feel on your wedding day? Now, when I look back, it makes me feel weird because mm -hmm. I can see what I didn't know at the time. You mm -hmm. know, I can see like, it feels pretty uncomfortable for me currently to look at any old wedding photos because I can see the disembodiment. Mm -hmm. like, I can see what parts of me aren't online. Again, I still like, I think it was a huge part of what led me here, but um, yeah, I didn't know. Like I didn't realize that there was a level of romance and sexual attraction that's like really crucial for romantic relationships. Mm -hmm. And then, and that's where the piece of like, we both really wanted to have the ideal relationship played in. Like we, there was a lot that had to be compensated for because that was missing, which is a lot of it. And grand romantic gestures are beautiful. They really are. And if you don't have a like natural base level romantic attraction and sexual attraction, then like you're going to have to add a whole lot more right. to fill in those gaps. Right. Anyways, that was a big spaghetti bowl. Of wow. wow. This is so beautiful. This is my favorite, one of my favorite stories I've ever heard. Oh, I'm so... I, I am so, I'm, I almost am at, at a loss for words. I love, 
I love how I love how you tell the story, and and I love that you said at the beginning that you haven't even told it that many times, so you don't even know how it's going to come out. <laughs> but that um, even in uncovering your truth, because this is something we haven't really spoke to, and it's so perfect that it's come up. But like even in uncovering your truth, that that too isn't going to happen right away. Like some moments we have a gut instinct and it's like now run or leave or don't go to that party or whatever the thing is. But, um, but how, you know, when it's a really big truth that it can take time and all, and it, it, to me, it just feels like you kept watering the seeds, you know, the seeds were planted, you kept watering them, you kept tending to the garden instead Mm -hmm. of just, you know, abandoning it or jumping ship or, and, and that's why you didn't have to blow up your life. It's so beautiful. Like the most honoring, of self journey there is. And of course, when you deeply honor yourself, you're honoring everybody else too. Like that's actually the most honorable thing to do is honor yourself because mm-hmm. that was the most honorable thing you did for your, for your husband too. Yeah. And that was an, a big piece of, I think what allowed me to admit it to myself. Cause again, we did like, we were pretty, parental in our unconditional love of each other. Like he gets just forever all the credit in the world because he did, like he did walk that journey with me and had his own stuff and was by no means perfect. But like, that was an unconventional to say the least, um, five years of navigating Mm -hmm. that behind the scenes and um, all the cultural do's and don'ts that kind of had to come crashing down to do that. And he did, really helped me heal my acceptance wound with my family, which was, you know, I really believed that if I wasn't who my family wanted me to be, I would not be part of the family. And there was like a certain, like, you know, we have a few key experiences that teach us that. Um, And so through the whole journey, but also the other pieces. So I came home from this weekend and the next morning shared those revelations with him. Uh, We went, we went on a morning walk and I was like, listen, I didn't even, it's not, I didn't even say like the words I'm gay. I just said those things of like, I didn't know how much I was disassociating or performing or but like how I feel is like, this is why people like sex and this feels natural to me. And like, I understand it. And he, and we cried and, um, oh yeah, this will always make me, and he, he cried and spent about three hours just really making sure his immediate response to his wife telling him this was um, no matter what happens, I want you to know that who you are and what your body wants and the way God made you is perfect. Mm. And I don't want you to ever feel bad for that. (laughs) And there's the healing. There's mm -hmm. the healing. Holy crap. Which was such a beautiful response, you know, because I didn't even expect that from my own parents who have no vested interest in my sexuality. And here mm-hmm. is, this is coming from my spouse who obviously has a vested interest in my sexuality. And so it was such a moment wow. of profound, unconditional love. Um, mm-hmm. And then we went through like our whole own process after that. But for that to be mm-hmm. what I was received with, A, set the tone for... And I, I think a piece of that is because I had come to like... I have gotten, people have sent me presents for coming out. Like mm-hmm. I, I feel like <laughs> the most celebrated coming out as gay person ever. Like, I, I have had maybe two not totally supportive comments, but even at that, they weren't like bad. And so, mm. but I told, like, as soon as I knew what was there, we talked about it. And part of that was the like 
all of the groundwork that had been laid of, it wasn't really a surprise, you know, like, but I think on some level, both of us knew, but it wasn't like I was walking around hiding. Like I didn't really know until I did know. Mm. Um, And at that point it became not easy, but also not hard. Like people were like, how did you come out so quickly? And how do you, and it was like, at that point I was like, it just felt so good to know the truth. It felt like saying I have cells, like I'm I'm gay. Like it felt the same and coming out as bisexual had felt so scary. And I look back now, I'm like, oh, this wasn't the truth. Um, Not that the truth Mm -hmm. is always easy to own, but for me at that point, um, it actually felt much scarier to come out as getting a divorce and it did to come out as gay. The coming out as gay part felt like a relief and like, oh my God, yeah, of course. Like, it's just like, it's like telling you my name. Like, it doesn't even feel like that big of a wow. day. Like, I like being gay, but it doesn't feel like I'm really announcing something about myself. Mm. But um, I was really scared that my, A, that my parents would think I knew and like did it anyways and got married anyways. That, yeah. that his parents would think that I was just like trying to dupe them all or like, there were more fears around breaking that norm. And then my family marriage is a really high value too. And like, you don't get divorced. And so um, thankfully when I told my parents, I told them really vulnerably of like just how painful it's been, like how broken I felt for five years. I would cry a lot after we would have mm-hmm. sex, just like really deep weeping. And I thought that it was like, cause you know, the yoni is the basement of the body and like we store trauma there. And so I was like, oh, I'm just releasing all this trauma. But after like five years, I was like, when am I going to not cry after that? Like, I don't feel like I should still be weeping like this. Um, But you know, like I can look back now and see, and I think that's the other thing is like, if you follow what you can see, it will reveal more that you weren't able to see before. Cause now I look back and I'm like, all right, I've been looking at Victoria's Secret since I was like. 10 years old. That's like the website that I would go to for self-pleasuring, which that's not just watching women in straight porn. Cause <laughs> like 80% of women watch women in porn and that's fine. But this is like, I was like, this is a different scenario. Like there's just all these things looking back and I'm like, well, that's not that. and even my girlfriend's like, you're so gay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, wow. Wow. But yeah, so it was interesting. I came out publicly. He and I announced our separation and that I was gay in a video together. And people were like, it's your thing. You should do it. I was like, I found, I figured this out in the context of our relationship. And totally. so it felt honoring to announce it in the same mm. way. Um, and then I turned, yeah, and then I turned 30. And it's been definitely not easy to disappoint someone that I have loved so much. And at the same time, one of the things that gave me permission is I saw uh, my now girlfriend, who is the woman that I went to spend that weekend with, which is a whole other like breaking of all the things you're not, <laughs> um, had shared some things about her relationship that really mirrored mine. And I got, and she kind of more had my, my ex's role in, in that relationship. Mm. And I was like, oh, I'm not actually doing him any favors by no. making this work if it doesn't because it like he deserves and that's still still to this day like oh my gosh I so want for him to have a wife and a, or a partner or whatever he wants to have that's going to be like physically affectionate and like want to have dinner there were so many things that I just thought I was such an independent person that I, that I was like breaking all the paradigms and like I'm actually a bit more traditional than I thought that I was like, <laughs> definitely monogamous um 
Mm. All about like, yeah, let's go to bed at the same time and wake up at the same time and like have dinner together and like spend time together. And there were so many things that I was so resistant to that there's not really any such thing as like normal in relationships. Mm. But that now that I am in a more romantic and like attracted and sexual connection, I'm like, oh, those were really healthy things for him to want. And I would say my, the thing that makes me sad looking back is how much I fought against them to like prove mm. that even, even in sometimes labeling them like unhealthy or codependent when they weren't, they were just like really okay things to want from a, a dating relationship or a marriage. Um, but seeing that was the piece of what allowed me to let go as well. Cause I also didn't want, you know, to hurt him. Like mm-hmm. I wanted, I mean, I wanted to be a good partner and I got a lot of value from being a good partner since, that was like a large piece of what was going on. Um, but that was, mm-hmm. I don't know that he, I still, I don't know that he'll ever see it that way or maybe he will, maybe he won't. Sometimes in like moments of clarity, that's kind of how we both see it. But as far as the soul, con- that's why I said like the soul contract for me was so clear. It was like, it, boom, like very clear start date. And like my wedding ring never felt bad for a single day. I never assumed we weren't going to be together for a single day until that day when I was like, oh, I'm gay. This is irreconcilable. Yeah. But up until that point, it didn't feel misaligned to be together, which makes me sad thinking about like that I was okay with having that level of dissatisfaction in an area of my life, like especially sexually. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was, it was like until, and that was like a re- revelatory moment of like, oh, and now this is complete. I mean, this is a story of healing. And what I believe love actually is. Mm -hmm. And so many things I want to highlight and reflect back. And Kate already did so too on the being willing to follow the crumbs of truths, Mm -hmm. right? To lead to the big revelation. And that's how we started on what it means to be on a path of personal growth and to care about the discovery of who you are. And then the other thing that is is something I'm very, very passionate about. And I think only being married was I able to face the divorce shame crap. Like it's only once you walk down the aisle that then you actually feel that sensation. Yeah. But I think it's incredibly important for because Kate and I have shared, well, Kate, especially because this isn't every single one of my clients' truths, but Kate has shared a lot about clients of hers that it's like, on my wedding day, I knew I was making the wrong decision. Ooh. And I, I certainly have those clients. And I think women need the permission that like, of course, you may not fucking know, right? When you walk down the aisle, you are not assuming that you're going to get divorced. When you walk down the aisle, you are promising forever. You believe in everything you say, Mm -hmm. but it takes a lot to do partnership consciously and to hold the tension of one day my partner may leave Mm -hmm. and hold the tension of one day my partner may change. Mm -hmm. And I went through a massive initiation last year of having the, the fall of the spiritual or the fairy tale illusion of what partnership actually was. Mm-hmm. And so I think like the goosebumps that just went through me was that, I mean, I, the, I have like this big note on my, next to me of compassion, 
Like mm. the way you are telling the story is healing me because you're telling it from the most extraordinary compassion. Like no shame, no judgment, no caring. And I'm, and I'm sure you've, you've done your work around it, which is why, you know, you can. But I also think this is who you are because I've known you for two years intimately. Um, but I think there's, there's women because they, people could be doing this about boyfriends. Like maybe you didn't get married. But of course, when I enter a partnership with someone or, a girlfriend. I assume, or a girlfriend, right, partnership, mm-hmm. I assume the best. Mm-hmm. right i assume totally. we're gonna make it i assume yeah. this person's gonna support me in my growth until maybe one day they won't mm-hmm. and that's the new truth like that's the new paradigm of love is being willing to check in is every day how's this going <laughs> every day can i bring all of who i am to the table right and are you in acceptance of that and together can we challenge all of the stories we're each carrying about ourselves and who we think we are all the stories we're carrying into relationship Mm -hmm. and so those those are the main things i wanted to highlight because that that was the mat like so so much magic about your story and i am i mean i bawled my eyes out i i sent you a message the second i saw your video with matthew because it was one of the most incredible moments of witnessing two people genuinely love each other that i had ever seen like like that is why it was healing and i'm so thrilled for you like i'm over the moon for you and this is what i mean this is our movement this is what we're standing for for every woman every human to walk through the world owning every single piece of who they are owning their desires owning their values owning what they want owning how they feel and whatever they want to do with their body (laughs) and and it can look however it's going to look um and breaking the old paradigm and maybe kate and i haven't said this enough yet on like stepping out of the old paradigm is fucking hard. Mm-hmm. Like it is hard <laughs> and, and you, your ego will fight it. And, and there will be all of those waves of challenging. Cause that, that's what I went through. That's what my whole relationship has been actually um, of, of moment by moment. Cause I think that's also it. Like partnership is the shedding of illusion over and over and over again Ooh, on yeah. what we've thought is real. Mm-hmm. And may all i mean may all beings have the experience that you get to have and that you've been having by bringing who you are to the table over and over and over again like i'm i'm checking myself as i'm listening to you i'm like whoa like what am i you know whoa is there things that i'm not saying are there things that i'm afraid to admit to myself and i'm doing it in this moment as i listen to you from like genuine curiosity and compassion Mm. and may no one may all humans uh, throw away the fear. Like, may you want yourself more than you want to belong to someone else. Mm-hmm. And may you want yourself more than your fear of losing someone. Cause that's what life is about. Mm-hmm. And only when you bring all of who you are to the table, can you find the one who wants to sit with you? Right. <laughs> right? And say, yeah, babe, what are you serving? <laughs> right? Like I want, I want what you have to offer, right? What you're bringing to the table and here's all of who I am mm-hmm. too. So thank, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. So I, yeah, I love, like, just love this story so much for so many reasons. There's so many, I feel like I'm going to listen back and we could probably do multiple episodes on digging into this, um, you know, and all the things that women are going to resonate with and the permission that just telling a story gives Mm -hmm. other people. Like it Mm -hmm. is unbelievable just hearing someone else's story there, there could be 
thousands of women, millions of women who listen to this, who realize, oh, wait, I've been lying to myself and that's lying to my partner. That's most old paradigm relationships is we just lie all the time, starting with ourselves, starting Mm -hmm. with to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And um, I just wanted to speak to the piece where you talk about feeling responsible for the other person and and just not wanting to hurt him. And of course, that comes from such care and love. And I really believe that I said this earlier, but when we make choices that are in our truth, that it's actually the most honorable thing for everybody else, because your relationship, exactly the number of days that you were with him, was exactly the number of days that you guys were meant to be together Mm -hmm. and to get everything that you were meant to grow and heal. And like, there's so much that he got to experience from being married to you and being in relationship with you. And now Mm -hmm. it's just about changing the container of your relationship. It went from being one in one container to another. And I, I really believe like the old paradigm, it's like we own each other's souls and Mm -hmm. you're mine now and you're mine forever. And I, and it's got to look this way versus in the new paradigm, we're all on our own soul journey and and we have no idea how long people are going to come in and out. And that's the beauty and magic of life is that we don't know Mm -hmm. and that we, the more we can lean into the experience, which is what you did and really really go into it and allow yourself to allow the story to unfold as it's meant to unfold when you're following your truth is Mm -hmm. that's when life opens up and magic happens. And I also want to speak to the, um, the sexual piece with women. I'm, I'm, I imagine so many women listening are like, what? I've never experienced what you've, what you just described. Mm -hmm. And so I love the, the, like, keep, you know, just leaning in and listening and listening and listening. And I love the word courage because um, in French, cour means heart. heart. Mm-hmm. And so f- the courage to follow your heart mm-hmm. and, um, you know, that it's, it's about continuously being honest with yourself, being gentle, being honest, being gentle, having mm-hmm. that compassion for yourself and being willing to follow it. And that, mm-hmm. you know, that you get, that we all get to experience these delicious, exquisite parts of ourselves the more courage we have. So yeah. this, yeah, you, you should write a book. I'm sure you've heard that before. Well, she, we have, we have uncover <laughs> yourself. There's probably more. Yeah. That, that is going to go through a re-edit to yeah. um, talk yeah. about some more things, but I do first. Thank you. Like that really. Um, yeah. I made a decision at the beginning of this year that my word for this year was expression. Oh, good word. Seeing my per- myself <laughs> as a person who uses their life and experiences to help others. And I recently decided I don't want to treat myself like a means to an end any longer. Mm. Um, and so it's been kind of this experiment of like, if I just express myself and my story um, and just mm. let that land how people want to. So r- having my story received, like that does mean a lot. And it is one of the reasons I'm excited to share it because I didn't, you know, sexual orientation is not my only path. Like I am not by no means going to like have this become my life purpose. And as <laughs> a presenting woman, you know, I, who didn't hate having sex with penises right. to be explicit, <laughs> it didn't do it for me, but I wasn't repulsed. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't hear anyone talking about anyone that was any gay women talking about it in a way that I could resonate with. Like I just heard a lot of repulsion to men and I was like, I guess I'm not, I guess that's not me. 
almost this, like, I guess I would feel jealous when other women would come out and be like, I wish I could come out. Or like, if I would see mm-hmm. two women together in a relationship, I would feel this like deep jealousy that I don't know if I even always knew it was jealousy until later in my journey. And I remember that first weekend of visiting my now girlfriend and walking next, it was like almost better than even just the sex and sex was great, but it was just walking next to her on the street and not feeling that jealousy anymore and feeling mm-hmm. like, oh my God, it feels so like, now I am that woman that was like with another woman that I yeah. used to feel jealous about. Um, mm-hmm. And that's actually, so that's why I, I want to tell my story more because I, I have since talking about it, had a lot of women reach out and go like, had their own realizations, whether it was about their, I mean, a lot of them around their queerness, but like not all of them just that. Some women have just left toxic relationships or like fill in the blank. Right. But I think, yeah, mm-hmm. our stories do matter a lot and that's why I love sharing it. And the other piece I would say is it's, it's I was sitting here thinking about it and one, I've had this interesting experience of getting to know myself all over again. Cause like, imagine, you know, imagine you're not into women and all you dated was women your whole life and you never really have felt true sexual attraction or like romantic. So I feel like I felt like a teenager in some ways, like all the things <laughs> I knew about relationship, I'm having to relearn. Yes. It's totally <laughs> different when you're like in it. And like, like I never felt jealousy before ever. I was like, my friends would be like, how are you so evolved? Like, how do you not feel jealousy at all? Obviously we had an open relationship. Matthew didn't partake in that a lot, but like I saw him kiss it with women a few. And like, I was like, go for it. <laughs> that like relieved my duties. Yeah. Um, sounds bad, but it's true. But it's been actually harder for me to own and talking about the courage of all your truth is, is um, mm. looking, looking like the person who left my husband for another person because uh, I met my now girlfriend, Annalise, in the context of our open relationship mm-hmm. with the story. Yeah. That in itself is a crazy story of like fate, mm-hmm. but not stopping seeing her. And he requested that I do to like give time for our marriage to end um, and having it look like I wasn't sad because I wasn't that sad for it to end because I wasn't in love. And so for me, I wasn't, it, I didn't go through heartbreak, which that was harder of like looking like, like, what do you, like, how can you not be mourning right now? Your marriage is ending. And really I was fucking thrilled. Like I felt deep relief because I didn't realize how much anxiety I felt every day. Like even just kissing, I'd be like, shouldn't I be feeling something else? And I'd ask like, Mm. are you feeling something right now? And you know, he later admitted that he didn't find me extremely sexually attractive either, which I'm like, well, that makes sense that we picked each other, not because he's not attracted to women, but just like me personally. But it was, there was so much underlying anxiety for me in trying to uphold something that I did not know I was upholding, like, and just trying to be straight. Like that was a a deeply anxious experience in my body. And I had some friends say like, even your face looks different because you just seem so much more relaxed. But I felt it when I was with you because I went how many however many months between my first VIP oh, one yeah. VIP day to six months later sitting next to you I had that experience mm. it was although I don't know if it necessarily like your face looks different though I think I said this to you the way you felt like mm-hmm. being in your presence was a grounding like I felt the roots of my body mm-hmm. connect to the earth mm-hmm. being with you and 
and I think that's how it feels with anyone who's living from <laughs> like, like that's how it feels. True. You know, yeah. and anxiety is often right. A little call from the soul, like, Hey, check in, yeah. check in, come, you know, come, come down and, and check out mm-hmm. here. So, yeah, I mean, that was by far the heart of all of this. The hardest mm-hmm. truth for me to own was I do not want to stop seeing this person. Like, Mm-hmm. And we, it was a deep connection from the beginning, but it wasn't the same. I wasn't like, I, I don't think we said I love you till like six months. And like, it was, it's the most intentionally I've ever moved in a relationship of not just like, and now we're together because it was a complex beginning to say the least, but owning that and like letting myself have, letting myself have the relationship that made me happy at the time. And then like letting myself be in the midst of falling in love while ending the marriage was like a hundred percent the hardest thing. Cause it meant being willing to look like a total asshole. I mean, he thought I was an asshole. Mm. I, I, most of my friends understood, but like one or two of them were like, I had to really explain why I wasn't going through heartbreak. Like what, mm. like kind of what my process was and really just own for myself. You know what? I'm th- I remember sitting in front of the mirror and I was like, okay, Amanda, for the first 30 years of your life, you lived trying to make the right decisions, thinking that that would, the right decisions and the healthy decisions. I mean, I still advocate for health, but like mentally health, like, yeah. and thinking that that would lead to happiness. And so for the next 30 years, let's just try picking the things that make you happy. Mm. That will probably be a better path to happiness. <laughs> um, Write that down, everybody. <laughs> but it was, it was scary. You know, I remember one of my friends saying, yes. why don't you just go to the ranch and like, your, my family has a ranch and like spend some time with yourself. Just, and I was like, I don't want to. Want like, to. I know myself. I don't need to go through a time of mourning. I want to be in San Francisco with the, the woman that I'm falling for. That's where I want to be. And it did, it did cause some eyebrows mm. to be raised and it did feel like mm. that was actually the harder thing for me to, to stomach and just realize like maybe being gay and leaving my marriage wouldn't make me look like, didn't make me look like the bad guy, but like asking myself, am I willing for people to think that I'm the bad guy in order to follow this truth particularly, um, which I'm like so happy that I did and so grateful but it was definitely like, it's interesting to me that that was the scariest part. Well, in the old paradigm, it, the only thing that matters is what life looks like, not how we feel. And so like, there is no one way, there is no one size fits all. There's no one, exactly. our, our stories aren't supposed to look the same. Everybody, everybody's mm-hmm. truth is different. Mm-hmm. And the new truth is you following your own truth mm-hmm. and going against what we should do or what other people think think or other people's perceptions because other people's perceptions are just a projection anyways they have nothing to fucking do with you Mm -hmm. and so like you you following your truth and you having it look however it's supposed to look for you is your truth and that's your story and it's Mm -hmm. just absolutely fucked it's bullshit that that are we think our stories are all supposed to look the same and that we're like oh you're supposed to be grieving for that like if that's not your story that's not your story Mm -hmm. uh that you're amazing. I just love this so much. Yeah, <laughs> so much. I've slept in your bed. You. I don't know. I don't know Amanda super well uh, yet, but I've slept in her bed. Not oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we did stay. We did stay. With in Catherine. Your apartment. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, 
Oh like my him. God. Um, um, Amanda, I, I don't know how much right, to like shout from the rooftops that the world needs to hear this episode. And the thing that you just, so thank you so much for your vulnerability, mm. right? Like, thank yes. you so much. And as you were talking, I keep thinking about all the things women don't do in the name of what other people will think about me. Yes. Yeah. And that, it, at least in the relationship realm, I mean, there are women not getting divorced because they're afraid of being divorced. And when I think of my work and, and a lot of what I'm doing with clients is the shadow work of having to face the judgments. Oh, yeah. Right? Like you have to go towards that. So I want to just like really reflect, of course, it was hard to face that mm -hmm. because that is a painful thing we all have to face. And then we have to look at the judgment we're holding about ourselves inside. And we have to look at all of the stories we're carrying. Yeah. Shadow work's supposed to be hard, <laughs> right? It's not fun, right? And, and that break continuing to challenge the old paradigm, you know, over and over and over again. And what you, I mean, why... I have worked with you for two years. Why I'm obsessed with you is because you were one of the first people in my life that I really believed you when you said anything is possible. Mm. Like you might've been the only person that I actually believed and it wasn't just like new age jargon bullshit on Facebook. Like wow, you. when you said it, I believed you. Mm -hmm. And that's why I worked with you. And your entire story reflects your belief in that. And to be fully alive is I have to challenge every judgment. I have to challenge every story I'm holding about myself. I have to be willing to go toward the difficult things. Mm -hmm. And that, that's like, and I say, and I said earlier, like you have to want yourself more than you want to belong to anyone else yes. in, in order to thrive in this life and to be willing to challenge. I mean, and it's that, it's moment by moment following truth, moment by moment challenging the stories that I have. And I can't even begin to describe what it's been like to partner with Kate. And I'm sure this is how you feel with Maria, like consistent reflection, right? Like someone holding you to what you say you want. Oh yeah, Maria and I just reminding you. I know, yeah, right. Like, like it, it, it's a big freaking deal. And, you know, Kate and I off, I mean, made, mostly what we say is like, I can't believe we ever did this alone. Like, what was I thinking being an entrepreneur alone, <laughs> right? Rather than having a ton of people around me mm -hmm. reminding what's, what's true. And I, I mean, in, when I think of the initiation I went through last year with my husband being sick, it challenged my whole mindset of like what was supposed to happen in my life, my friends. Mm -hmm. <laughs> God, this was not supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. But then it gave me the greatest gift because now I'm actually in partnership from choice mm. rather than, well, this is what should be. And he's supposed right. to be behaving this way. And mm. I had to be willing to, I mean, my, I actually believe you have to be willing to walk away to believe you love someone. Mm -hmm. If you're not willing to walk away, right. Then, then I don't know what ground you're standing on because then mm -hmm. it becomes conscious choice. Mm -hmm. And hopefully we spend our whole lives getting to know ourselves, mm -hmm. right? And I think that's the, like, I love, love, love that you brought that in about these little truths that you followed mm -hmm. because in the new age, you know, personal growth world, it can, we, we actually pay a lot of money for big revelation, yeah, right? Mm -hmm. Big breakthrough, big mind blown, blah, made $5 billion in 30 seconds. Um, 
there's not a whole lot of love and and honoring of what the of the journey the journey yeah yeah and your your story has offered you know so much in that realm of honoring the journey and then oh that's what i wanted to say actually about what's possible is imagine i mean having imagine feeling about sex the way amanda feels about sex everybody like um and and this and this play like talk about i mean this is now a whole other you know podcast on sexuality but maybe we all have to attend sex soul and sovereignty like i'm ready to go (laughs) to your dream um but july 2020 this place of um i so many women right when i say when i say you know they have to learn how to retrain their mind instead of to search for like what's old and familiar they'll say like well then fine should i just not be attracted to my partner like should i just look for the good partner then and you you are like they have to throw out attraction right like so many women do that Mm -hmm. so many right? It's split. And I can't even tell you, my sisters tell me about their friends being like, oh, well, I'm not that attracted to my partner, but I found a really reliable and loyal partner. Okay. I want to, I want to speak to this because this was one of the biggest things that being with Annalise has done for- You have to talk about this because this is- Having to let go of my own, um, my own story around that of like, I realized I wholeheartedly believe you can either have hot passion or, or a good stable relationship and you cannot have both, or you can have someone that's like really fucking sexy, which on, on she knows this. I told her, I really thought she was a fuck boy when I first met her, like <laughs> she is smoking hot and like sex appeal for days. Even her photos, like my, my friends that are straight are like, I don't know, Amanda, just like the eyes that she gives. I'm like, I know. I get it. Um, So she's a very like sexual being, which same, but I interpreted that to mean emotionally unavailable. And it turns out she's like a super relationship person. Like she takes her time deciding what she wants. But like, once we were in a relationship, I was like, what? You're like this cuddly koala bear, but also, and given like, I would like to acknowledge we're still in the honeymoon phase, blah, blah, blah. But even in the honeymoon (laughs) phase, I still didn't think that you could have a person that was emotionally available. I mean, my friends and I would say people that are really good in bed are usually emotion, like emotionally unavailable, toxic or to- yeah. or like it's toxic. Or bad, somehow. right. Oh so my God. It's been this whole, yeah. and I actually had a client reflect to me. Um, there's a society, a secret society that once people, women go through sexual insolvency, they have the ability to join. And one of the women, and it was talking to me and she was like, well, Amanda, like, you believe that you are allowed to have outrageous things in other areas of life. Why would it not make any sense? Why would it not make sense that you could have an outrageous relationship? Because well? of the old paradigm. Right. Because and it, it, of the old paradigm. I was like, you're so right. I had been so eggshelly of like, surely this is too good to be true. Like, this isn't real that like, you mm-hmm. can turn me on this much. I can be this attracted to you. And you could be a good partner. Like, not a perfect partner, not a perfect relationship, but like yeah. a good relationship. Like that was, to have so, both. I did not realize how deeply I believed that you had to sacrifice one for the other. Every like, woman. I have never met someone who doesn't hold that belief and every, no, no one's willing to wait. I got, I'm 23 and a half and I need my ring and my wedding and my house and, and no one's willing to wait. And 
I have mind-blowing sex with Andrew. When, and when I kiss Andrew, I still get goosebumps up and down my entire body. And even when he was sick in a hospital bed, I was in love and turned on with my, by I my husband. That. And Dude, talk about that. That more. was, I know, <laughs> yeah. that was one of the biggest beliefs. Like, I, I just, I mean, everyone needs to listen to this fucking podcast. And they definitely need to listen to this episode. But I'm so, I, I wrote it down because I was like, we have to address this because so many people hold that. And I think in the old paradigm, well, what we see is hot passion, right? So we see it as it has to be like that every second of every day. But then since we don't believe that it's possible for us, that's what guides the choices to the like loyal, reliable person. And I, I can't even believe like, I wish I had more worry about Andrew leaving me sometimes because I know that this man's not going anywhere. Um, You know, it's so committed, so stable, like, totally devoted to me um but i'm just so thrilled for you to have brought like i was like that's it like you taking a stand for that's what's possible you now having that and living that like women all humans need to hear that yes you get to have both yes yeah and like every relationship is gonna have an area that feels stickier than the others like oh my gosh learning how to communicate with someone that i'm actually like sexually attracted to has been like okay (laughs) here we go we are different humans and like relearning another human but I think it's so beautiful to hear that and I really didn't mean it like that even hearing you say that of like you still get goosebumps when you kiss each other is like helps me anchor in and not feel this like caveat of like oh but we're in the honeymoon phase which again like obviously there are dynamics that change but to hear people talk about that because because I I don't even know if this will be in but like there's also a piece of me that I'm like, I do want, and I guess some people want it, some people don't, but like, I want a partner. Like I, I think that there is a beauty to the longevity and the hesitation that I sometimes have with some of the like new age, new paradigm is there is a lack of honor for longevity and a, a sole focus on like, so then I see people bailing yeah. and I'm like, that wasn't the point. Like, sit in the discomfort of owning like you love this person and there's this thing that you don't know how it's going to work out Mm -hmm. which like again I don't think that you should say in things that are bad for you and like I do think you should honor your truth but I'm like it's interesting because sometimes that is a difficult truth for me to own even now having gotten out of a marriage which by the way we did not vow forever like we reread our vows to each other Mm. when we had a ceremony to end the marriage and Mm. um like none of them were broken. Like we didn't vow fidelity. We didn't vow longevity. We really essentially vowed unconditional love. Like when I look mm-hmm. at it now, I'm like, dang, we really did what we came together to do. And do. I've shed a few, te- like some tears over that at different times. Cause it feels so beautiful. And mm-hmm. at the same time, I'm like, I still want that. I'm not willing to like sacrifice myself or lie about who I am to have it. But I think that there's, Mm-hmm. I just see two camps now like that I'm like and yes. I think that's what you guys are doing and what I want to do is like the third camp like all right over here is the people that are like only if they're serving your highest purpose and like so flippant about relationship and then over here are the people that are like sacrifice everything to make the relationship work and yeah no that's not what we stand like, for <laughs> to create something up here where where like both are able to exist because that is risky like that's also part of why love is risky it's like you don't know it's totally a leap of faith and if you you can have 
you can have your desires, but you can't know what's coming. That's, that's yes. what we talk about. Oh my you God. Can't, so in the old paradigm, it's forever. It's this one, I want one partner for the rest of my life, but you don't know what you, where you and your partner are going to be, who you're going to be, what's going to happen, life circumstance. Like I've worked with many widows. It, we have no idea yeah. what's coming. True. And so that's the thing that blind, that's so blindsiding. And also people mm. become so complacent in relationships in the old paradigm because they just, of that they, they just like put, hang their hat up like, okay, right. now we're together forever versus right. like letting it organically unfold. And Ooh, I desire this to be a lasting partnership. If, right. if we're still growing and it's still serving us and yeah, it's like still, relationship is a bench to doesn't sit mean on. Mean it's going to be easy. A garden to water. Yes. Yeah, it doesn't mean mm-hmm. it's going to be easy. For sure. And my, my experience now, cause I have shared a lot on, I've never had a relationship longer than a year until Andrew. And now I've been with Andrew for six years and, and 2019 was the most transformational year of my life, but I can see now, and, and this is true for clients, right? Why I do six month programs. I essentially say to people, look, if you're not triggered and want to leave this work at least once during our work together, I'm not doing my job mm. because the ego is supposed to resist commitment, right? And so there's a difference between that's why, I mean, we've talked about doing an episode like, should I stay or should I go? And maybe we will because I have a lot of things to say about that topic. But the first place is that commitment has, can do something that other things can't. Mm. That when you're committed to someone that... I didn't get to just leave because my husband was sick and I didn't like what was going on. And I had to deal with my own work in the face of something I didn't have control over. Mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, you want to destroy your relationship. Don't do your shadow work. (laughs) Um, But the, 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 I'm so happy you're reflecting that because I think women and, and we've worked really hard in the new truth to say, like, you certainly get to want what you want, right? If you want monogamous partnership, you get it. But as Kate just said, it's that people make it blindly like, Oh, because you put a ring on my finger, I now don't have to work at the relationship rather than, Whoa, my commitment to you is going to stir shit up Mm -hmm. and and that's why i see relationship is the most unbelievable spiritual crucible (laughs) that we could all be walking because i have to make a daily choice every single day to belong to myself more than i want to keep you Mm -hmm. and be willing to have the difficult conversations i mean why people blow up i joke with clients all the time about the toothpaste test right the couples that you hear like i got a divorce because he didn't put the cap back on the toothpaste Right. right. And it's like, well, I've denied my feelings for five years, for 10 years, for 15 years. And then the cat's not on the toothpaste and I'm blowing my marriage up. Mm-hmm. And then that person's left blindsided. Yeah. Rather I than say, I had not a lot of people, but I've had one or two people be like, oh, you're so essentially like you're lucky that oh. your transition went so smooth. And my response has been, no. um, I am not lucky and any grace or like ease that you witnessed in that, which there was plenty of like dis-ease as well, but like is because of all yeah. of the conversations that right. like right. because there was no bomb that got set off because of the communication and because of the honesty and like, yes, I exactly. would say, I tend to be in the camp of like, I would rather err on too much communication than not enough communication. But it is true that like, you know, I I think what ended up happening is we were able to like really gently implode rather than 
like intentionally, you know, when like they intentionally implode buildings and it's like, there's not a lot of rubble to clean up. I mean, we've each right. clean up to do, but I do think that that ownership of like moment by moment truths is, it does yeah. lead to, even if it has to be an ending or whatever it is, it leads to a lot more grace, but it's because of that courage. Right. hundred percent. I think the only reason why relationships blow up or implode is because, or explode is because they, because the, the truth isn't there and the conversations aren't being had. Mm-hmm. And then it just, it gets to the point of where I can't live like this anymore and it's, right? <laughs> you know, like then it's the, the soul gets so loud where, right, something does need to, to happen, but maybe it's not even necessary that that relationship needs to end. It might just be a call, right, for attention or a call to deeper yeah. transformation, but holy wowza, what an epic interview, Amanda. Yes. <laughs> what a gift, a pleasure to know and love you, to work with you. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. And uh, everyone can find you, amandarenee.com, Amanda Renee on Instagram, Amanda Renee on Facebook. Amanda Renee. <laughs> Amanda Renee. Anything else you want to say or where you want to direct people to? Um, yeah, I would say Instagram is the best place to connect with me. It's a place where I'm most active. Um, it's Amanda underscore underscore R A N A E. My name is spelled different than most Renee's. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's just kind of how I run most things through my Instagram because I prefer that form of connection, but you're awesome. welcome to go check out my website if you want to. There's cool stories on there. Thank you. Thank you. And we will post all of those links in the podcast notes. As always, if this interview moved you, please share with your friends. Really, this this interview needs to be shared with the world. So go tell a bunch of people about it. Post it on your platform so more and more people can hear it. We are so grateful for a New Truth community. If you're not already in the New Truth Movement group, please join us. And I imagine there'll be a lot of conversation to be had after this interview. And rate and review, subscribe. It makes such a difference. Kate, I love you. Amanda, I love you. Listening, listeners, we love you. May all we wish for you, right? To follow the truth of your heart in small and big ways. Mm. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Love it. (laughs) Thanks, Amanda. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to the New Truth Podcast. You are a woman first. Throw away the fairy tale story so that you can have the real thing and a life that you freaking love. If you loved what you heard today, be sure to rate, review, and share it with all of the amazing women in your life who need to hear this message. And it's all women. Every woman. <laughs> like every woman you know. Share it with your grandma. You can find us on Instagram at The New Truth Podcast and our website, thenewtruthpodcast.com. Sign up to receive your free gift from us. The three major myths about love keeping you settling, sacrificing, and sabotaging your relationships. Go get it while it's hot. Get it. Stay tuned for our next episode. See you soon. See you soon.